We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey everyone, it's Lindsay Rhodes and I've got a new podcast, The NFL Road Show. Fun and kind of nerdy conversation about the NFL every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. I've got some amazing guests that are joining me. I'll be breaking the huddle with the top stories, previewing games. We'll get you set for the weekend fantasy with our Fantasy Friday episodes, and we'll answer some of your questions as well. So subscribe to the NFL Roadshow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. New England sending QB Jimmy Garoppolo to 49ers. We believe we found the right guy. Garoppolo, quick pass, caught by Kittle. He dives, and he's in. Touchdown, 49ers. Kittle is going to go. Touchdown. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Striking Gold, your 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Network. This week's episode is sponsored by Indeed and Bet Online. My name is Rob Lauder. I cover the 49ers for the Blue Wire Network. Joining me tonight, as always, is my co-host, former NFL defensive back, Eric Crocker. How are you doing, dude? Man, I'm doing uh, pretty good. A lot better than uh, Frank Gore. Man, I just saw him get suplexed by Aaron Donald. Gosh, man, man, you can't be suplexing old people. Like, you can't, <laughs> I know, right? I you can't bad. do that. I, I feel bad. And it was like completely unnecessary. But, you know, with Aaron Donald, he just hella strong. So he probably wasn't trying to just slam him like he did. But that was the results. I mean, it was, yeah, it was ugly. But I mean, it wasn't enough to, to draw a flag or anything, was it? No, nah, I don't think to, it was enough to draw a flag, but 
Yeah, I mean, he's, but in he's the end, you, you still can't be suplexing old people, and that just tells you all you need to know about Aaron Donald. Right. You know, he's just out here suplexing old people. He's a bully. Yeah, he is. <laughs> he's he's a bully. Yeah, he's a he's a bully. That's true. Um, dude, that video you posted of because I noticed it right when I saw it. That video you posted of uh, of Fred Warner low, low crawling underneath that dude's legs. <laughs> that was so funny. That was so funny. I just love the way he plays football. You know, there are a lot of people that get upset by guys, you know, having fun, you know, even if the score, you know, isn't in their favor. I, you know, always hear it about Kendrick Bourne. And, you know, he had like a couple catches on like the first drive and he spins the ball and people are like, oh, you didn't catch the ball. Just act like you've been there before. You don't got to spin every ball. And it's like, man, dude's having fun. Like, and Fred Warner, you know, he just tackles dude and like, drags his nuts like across dude's face and, and like army crawls through the other guy's legs. I'm like, man, these dudes are not <laughs> And then gets up and starts flexing. Yeah. And I'm sure the 49ers are losing at that time, but it's like, have, have fun with it. You know, have fun right. with it. I've sat down on the pod before. Like, you know, a lot of these guys, sometimes you never know when it's going to be your last play. Um, and obviously, you know, some of these things become routine, but have fun. Have fun because you only play for so long. You only play for so long. Right, and there's only so much you can control, too. You know, like, uh, the the defense and Fred Warner can't control what Nick Mullins does. So you you might as well go out there and at least make make the most of what you got. And, and obviously, uh, as I've alluded, the 49ers did not win their matchup against the fabled Dallas Cowboys in that, in that old school rivalry. The, they lost 41-33. to um, in a weird, it's a weird score that I guess it kind of accurately reflects the way the game went because to close out the game, Dallas returned an onside kick attempt for a touchdown. And then in the last few plays of the game, the 49ers scored on an Hail Mary attempt from CJ Beathard to Kendrick Bourne. So, I mean, both of those touchdowns are real fluky kind of end of the game things. So you could say that other than though, though, other than those touchdowns, the score still kind of accurately reflects what happened. Because, I mean, kind of like how we led up to the game and and how we talked about it, it all just kind of comes down to Nick Mullins and what he chooses to do. And he had a very Nick Mullins game. He did some good things. He made some good pa- completions. He made some good throws. But he also made a lot of bad throws and a lot of and a lot of bad decisions. So it was kind of just one of those things where there was a point in this game where I was like, okay, Nick Mullins hasn't like completely bitten the 49ers in the ass yet, but I feel like it's coming. And then the fourth quarter rolls along and bam, <laughs> there he is. Yeah. I was telling my wife, you know, and this was at a time when the game was tied, I believe, when he threw that first interception, right? Yeah, that put them in field goal range. So I was telling my wife, and I'm like, man, I think a, I think a Nick Mullins interception is coming soon. <laughs> and he threw the pick, and she said, well, you got what you wanted. <laughs> and my whole thing was, and I've been, you know, my brother's a diehard Cowboy fan. Um, a couple of my friends, like 49er fans, uh, the other few are like Cowboy fans were in this group chat. and. You know, I was saying, like, you know, obviously you don't root for your team to lose, but I was not rooting for the 49ers to win. And as big of a a, a rivalry amongst fans that the Cowboys versus 49ers is and, like, the bragging rights and stuff like that, like, 
I literally did not care about any of that. I watched the game for a few reasons. One, to have some takeaways, you know, you know, because obviously we record the pod. But two, hey, you know, I just want to see some of the young players. Like, I just want to see IU play, you know, how's he progressing? How's he coming along? Can he keep this streak of playing extremely well going? Um, but I, we've said on the pod, like, I have zero expectations of a win. So it was funny, like, looking at Twitter, and I'm actually in this group chat uh, on Twitter, and I see guys, like, really upset. Like, they're so upset, and they're, they're mad at Shanahan, and it's like, man, like, I think it's Shanahan. And to me, it's just like, you got to remove your your fandom for a second. Step back. Step back. Take, take a few steps back. About 10 steps back so you can see a clear view of what's going on. The 49ers are missing all their best players. They put up a graphic. Um, I want to say either to start the game or like right before the game that said, holy shit. And they say that, but Hopkins just made an amazing catch. But um, they put up a graphic that said, hey, the 49ers have the most players on IR. And anytime you have, you know, the most players on IR like that, things aren't going to go your way. And that's just with, with, with having the most players on IR. But when you're missing your best players, right, the things that make your team go, right, and what makes a team go, if you, can, if you could name three guys and three guys that, Make the 49ers go. If I were to ask you before the season, right, if you're like, if I was like, hey, there are three three players that make the 49ers go, who would you name? Jimmy Garoppolo, Nick Bosa, and George Kittle. Exactly. And they're missing all three of them. <laughs> you know what I'm and saying? That, and that's, like, not a pa- that's not a, a, f- a fabricated answer based on the fact that I know they're injured. That, that yeah. would be my fucking answer if you asked me that three months ago. You know, for, right. it, it was just... You know, always, I, I would have to include the starting quarterback. I would have to include the, the best player on defense who just happens to be a pass rusher. And then I would have to include the the all-pro tight end who's also one of the best players in the right. NFL. So, so it's an easy you know, answer. When I look at it, it's just like, look, like I, I can't – and I get it. There are a lot of people that are like, hey, you know, Kyle Shanahan is not above criticism. And he's not. He's not. But if the the you know the one thing that I would put on him is like hey you've kind of seen that Nick Mullen stinks and or what his limitations are and you kept him around as a backup. Now ideally you don't want to have to see your backup. Last last season 49ers did not have to see their backup. And you're probably thinking like hey I'm in good shape with my backup because he doesn't have to play. Most of the time you don't get to see the backups play, but we're not as backup has played this entire season. And it's just like, it just hasn't been an ideal situation. And I was just watching the live press conference with Kyle Shanahan talking. And that was what he touched on. Like, man, we had high expectations going into training camp, high expectations. And right away, the injury bug just bit the 49ers and you, you, you see the results. But when, when I see people the way that they're reacting and they're trying to say, oh, well, this is the reason why and, and this and, and oh, no, but Kyle and, and, and the play call. And at the end of the day, it's just like, no, like the 49ers just aren't good enough to win games. They don't have the guys. This reminds me of the first year when the 49ers lost five straight games by three or less points. And it was like, well, they, they're missing the guys. And what really helps – is a quarterback. And you saw the effect that Garoppolo had when he came and they won five straight. Like, it's a, it's a big 
difference between somebody, even if the numbers, because there are a lot of people that look at just pure stats, look at the stats that matter. How well does this guy do on, you know, third down? You know, uh, there were some really key things. A lot of people talk about how well Garoppolo played during that five-game stretch when he first took over. But the things that really jumped out the most were they averaged the most yards per drive. They averaged the most points per drive. They were the number three uh, uh, team. I mean, the uh, number three team. Huh? Most points per drive, most yards per drive. And I can't remember the other stat. But either way, that kept drives going. Um, they consistently got points, even if it weren't a touchdown. Like, those things make a huge difference. It keeps your defense off of the field. Well, when you have a guy like Mullins back here who's not consistently doing those things, and then when the team is not playing terrible, you just throw, like, back-to-back drives with interceptions. Or if it wasn't back-to-back, it was, like, close to being back-to-back drives with interceptions, and that was the difference. So I don't look too much into it or anything that's going on right now. How's IU playing? You know, how's uh, Ken Law playing? You know, some of these guys moving forward. Everybody else, there are a lot of guys I expect to, you know, do decently well. Uh, Sherman looks a little weird, right? Ooh, Akella Witherspoon, you know, uh, making maybe a late push to be a, you know, a one-year prove-it deal type corner. I, I don't know. I'm just, you know, throwing that out there. But I'm just looking at things like that. I'm not looking at the game expecting the 49ers to win, and I'm sure he'll not be upset when they lose because I understand, like, this is not the 49ers team. This is not them. So I just saw a lot of that, and I was just like, man, like, what are you? What were you guys expecting? I've been telling you, overplaying the Cowboys. Like, okay, what was the one thing I said? I would take Andy Dalton over Nick Mullins, and I thought that would be the difference, and it was. That was the, that ended up being the difference in the game. So it was like, what are we acting surprised about? Right, and I, I, the one thing that you said that kind of surprises me, and as I understand it, that you have to have a certain level of understanding when it comes to just random, sometimes uneducated, sometimes emotional responses to games. But I just don't understand how you, your your conclusion after watching a game like that is could have anything to do with Kyle Shanahan. Like, obviously, you can, you can kind of boil it down to if you really want to get into the broad spectrum of things, you know, some personnel choices, you know, some, some decisions to go with this person over this person and stuff like that. But as far as like how he's calling games and the decisions he's making during games. And, and as long as you don't want to fall back on a net of, well, they shouldn't have signed Nick Mullins in the first place. He shouldn't even be there. So something like that, you know, and obviously sure you could say that if you wanted to, but as far as on a game to game basis, Kyle Shanahan is doing the best he can with what he's been given. And he has, has no say in the fact that, the best players on his team are injured, and it's just like Crocker just said. It you're 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 making these. What's the best way to say this? I wish my vocabulary were better. You're making these snap judgments that just seem unintelligent based on a a situation in which there's really no way to a no win scenario. You know, and, and again, yes, you can say, well, 49ers don't have to have Nick Mullins; they could find someone better. But that's that's just not how it works in the NFL. Especially you don't you don't ever expect to play your backup quarterback for eight to ten games, uh, or whatever it's going to end up being 10, 12, 14, you know, even fourteen. So it it's just if there's one person to me that just should, it's not necessarily that they're above blame because there's plenty of things that you could still pin on Shanahan if you want. 
But it, after you watch a game like Sunday against Dallas, it would just blow my mind that your your point of of criticism would be aimed at Shanahan. Like the dude is doing whatever he can. And we've talked about this in the past, you know, like I coach a middle school football team. And if somebody came up to me and said, Hey dude, uh, before you play this game, you have to take out all your best players. It has to include your quarterback. And you know, it can't be any less than 10 people and it has to be your best players. And I would be I would just start laughing. Like, what do you want me to do with this? Like it's just it's just not how it works. It's and if you if you're just one of those hindsight warriors, it's like, well, the 49ers should have signed this person instead of this person and whatever. And you know, sure, maybe it would be great if they had a band up backup like Andy Dalton, that was a former, you know, starting quarterback for a very long period of time. And when Dallas last lost Dak Prescott, he at least provided them some source, some sort of you know, respectable quarterback play, but it's just, there's just way too much flying around that kind of what Croc was alluding to is it's like, it's too serious for what's going on. Right. The 49ers team has been absolutely decimated by injuries. If you get back at least like 75, 80% of those players or kind of like return the 49ers roster to where it's comparable injury wise to other teams in the NFL, they're competing. They're probably already in the playoffs. Maybe they're competing for the division. You know, it's it's just it's just not worth beating yourself up over right now when the situation is so clearly been pushed so far to an extreme that it's almost a no win scenario for for the 49ers. And, and sure, they could turn into some miracle team that just starts beating playoff contenders with this roster that's primarily backups at really important spots. Sure. Like, yeah. I guess that could happen, but it's not going to happen. And, it, it, you know, it is what it is. And if you, as, as far as the game goes, if you look at this game and you look at the scoring, um, I want to find, I was looking at right here, possessions. Okay. Like Dallas, the Dallas's offense on their own fruition, on their own drives, a drive in which they received the ball via kickoff or punt. They only scored, I believe it's 10 points. No, excuse me. No, yeah, 10 points. Okay. And then two of the touchdowns that they scored were given to them on fields of less than 25 yards by a Richie James fumble and a Nick Mullins fumble. And then you had another field goal off of Nick Mullins' interception. And then another touchdown off of Nick Mullins' interception. So it's it was it was just one of those games that just kind of spiraled out of control. And a lot of the reasons for the result were due to the fact that the 49ers are being put in this position by injuries. Like, you know, it's just there at this point, there's just not a whole lot you can say about it that's really gonna have that many implications. Like, is there anybody to blame? I don't know, man. <laughs> There's always somebody to, to to blame. I mean, I think I think okay, if you want to put anything on Kyle Shanahan, and this is where I'll say, you know, he has to take, you know, responsibility for this. Is he's going to have what, three losing seasons in four years? That's not good. No matter how you look at it, right? Like, I mean, because when 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 you count a coach's you know record or whatever, and it goes to his win loss record, like they don't, they're not going to say, well. This year he lost his quarterback, you know, week three. 
this year, you know, he didn't really have his quarterback and, you know, everybody was banged up. At the end of the day, his record is going to be whatever it is. So in that sense, yes, not ideal. Two, uh, three losing seasons in four years. So, you know, I, I will put that on him. Now, I will say, I don't think that it's indicative of what type of coach he is. I think he's a far better coach than what his record is. And you've seen when he has at least, you know, a competent, um, you know, roster and, and you know, quarterback, really, mostly, there's a big difference. And, and, and I mean, and that's the biggest thing here. Like, this is a quarterback-driven league. So when you sign somebody to, you know, a $135 million contract or whatever it is, you're signing that guy to, to be healthy and play and lead you to wins. And we have seen when Garoppolo is playing and he's healthy, he does do that, right? But when And we knew that it was going to be a process in getting that guy, but he's just missed far too many games now. And I think that probably is the most frustrating part for, you know, even the Kyle Shanahan where it's like, man, like, I know I'm a good coach. Like, I know I can do this. My fucking quarterback won't stay healthy. Like, and I can't win without a quarterback. Now, the one thing I guess they can eventually do is, hey, do like some of these other teams have done, like the Cowboys, like, uh, who was it? The, um, uh, the Raiders, right? We saw Mariota play. Maybe you just have to invest more money into a backup, right? I mean, like, maybe that's something you do to where, yeah, there's more money every year and they're eating up $7 million to be a backup. But in the case your starting goes, starting quarterback goes down, you have a lot more confidence in what this guy's ability is, you know, that he can do instead of having a guy like Nick Mullins who was undrafted and undrafted for a reason. I saw him throw a a deep out before the halftime and like the ball just died and Richie James had to like go down and get it where it could have easily been a completion to the left where it looked like that's what it was drawn up. Yeah. Two receivers go vertical. You have uh, Jeff Wilson flare out. It was wide open pitch and catch. He would have got out of bounds. He decided to throw a deep out from the far. I mean, not a deep out, an out route from the far hash and he doesn't have that kind of arm, but when you're dealing with a limited quarterback, like what do you expect? And my expectations for Mullins, are extremely low, but maybe you could put that on Kyle. Like, hey, maybe he should invest more money in a, a, a backup quarterback that's at the very least uh, more competent than what he's getting from, you know, uh, Nick Mullins. Right. Yeah. It was just, uh, there's just a whole lot of things that go into it. And it's hard to point it at one thing like, yeah, you wish Garoppolo could stay healthy, but. Uh, on the play that made Garoppolo unhealthy, he got hit by two defensive linemen. So is it on Garoppolo? Is it on your offensive line? Could he have done something there to stay healthy? I don't know. <laughs> like, that's just kind of a big ask for a guy in that situation. And then, you know, it, it's, now that your starting quarterback isn't healthy, you know you're going to have to play your backup. Is the best quarterback in the NFL that's available Nick Mullins? Or, you know, the one guy you've got on your roster, you're going to just ride with that. I mean, the other thing is that that has spiraled out of control for the 49ers is with the amount of injuries they've had. They've had to dedicate so much salary cap to just signing players to replace injured players that they're at a point where they probably wouldn't have even been able to sign another quarterback from around the league because they've devoted so much money to injured players and so much money 
to players replacing injured players, and they've even had to dedicate some money to players replacing players replacing injured players. So there's just so many things that have gone on this season that kind of have just made it to where the 49ers don't really have any choice but to lose. You know, like they don't have any choice but to roll with what they've got and and whatever happens, happens. But to me, the biggest takeaway from all this, you know what? Hold on, hold on. Let me let's get in a word from our sponsors. Let's get that out of the way. And that way we can talk and we can we can talk biggest takeaways from all this and stuff like that, because we still got some stuff we need to break down from the game and then we'll, we'll, we'll get a little bit more into the implications. Leading off, we've got Indeed. 2020 has already reshaped how we work and it's almost over. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be their most efficient, which means every hire is critical. Indeed's here to help. Indeed is the number one job site in the world with the total visits than any other job site, according to Comscore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly so you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. And now, Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria. And you can contact them the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offers valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions do apply. Football is back. It's in full swing. You might not be out of game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE. It's all one word. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. All right. So, and this is, I don't know. This is, it's not a, a hot take. It's not a, and it's something we've already talked about a lot. But to me, the biggest takeaway from this game is the 49ers have to find solidarity at quarterback. Like, if they are of the utmost confidence in Jimmy Garoppolo and what he's going to be prov- able to provide them next season, then go that route. But if you are not maxed out in confidence, if, if you are a 49ers front office member and you are sitting there wondering what to expect from Jimmy Garoppolo next season – then do whatever you can to get whoever you think the answer is. I don't care if that's Matt Stafford. I don't care if that's trading away three first-round picks to go up and get a quarterback that you are enamored with. 
Shit, you keep losing like this, you won't have to trade up. But go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> it's just to me, do what you have to do because the 49ers are a better football team than what we're seeing on the field. And maybe if you're going to try and be positive and have one good takeaway from this season, it's that the 49ers have been decimated by injuries and it put them in a position to have a player that they probably shouldn't have been getting. It's almost like when Jimmy Garoppolo tore his ACL and the 49ers had a horrible season and it allowed them to pick someone like Nick Bosa. Well, obviously the 49ers don't have the number two overall pick, but they are in a position if they want to be to, to, to land at the number three or number four overall pick and get somebody that, that they think is going to change this franchise. Because to me, it's just after this kind of season, you have to make sure that going through this was worth it. Do whatever you got to do to make sure that whatever you feel your problem is next season, if that's Jimmy Garoppolo, fix that problem. Right. If that means cutting ties, if that means trading, if that means trading up in the draft, if that means throwing two high draft picks at the Lions to pry Stafford away from them, which I'm, I'm, I, I keep seeing people mention this, so I keep mentioning it. But just like pull the trigger and whatever th- on whatever you feel like the solution is, because what the last thing I think the 49ers should do is stand pat and let things kind of unfold around them if they're not confident in, in what is in the building. If for some reason they're still just very confident in Jimmy, Gar- Jimmy Garoppolo, then screw it. Go with it. I don't care. Go with Jimmy Garoppolo. And, and see what you guys can pull off next year, because then you're at least you get to use your high draft picks on other positions that you that you might want to address. But if 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 no one in that building feels like that's the answer, then find the damn answer. Otherwise, right. you're kind of wasting the fact that the 49ers have been decimated by injuries. At least make this kind of count. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? Yeah, and I think the way to make it count most. It is by getting the quarterback. Obviously, like you said, I mean, just get whatever you do. It has to make sense, like you said, with Nick Bosa. But, you know, in any normal year, even if it's a just a normal year, say Garoppolo plays 14 out of 16 games, that's that's they're still going to the playoffs. So how many opportunities will you get to be able to potentially upgrade the position? And when I say upgrade the position, I'm not saying somebody just come in and play better than – Garoppolo right now, but they'll definitely play better than Nick Mullins. And they, if you're drafting them top five, top 10, they have a higher upside than Garoppolo, right? And that's part of it, right? That's part of what you're looking for. So, nah, definitely, man, uh, you got you to make it count. You got to make this count, man. We're not going through all these tough times and losses for no reason. That's, that's for sure. But, I mean, you, you can see that on both sides of the ball, the 49ers are a very competent team. They're just missing that one key element, like you said. And you got to go all in regardless of how you do it, whether it is Jimmy, whether it is Stafford, like you said, whether it is a high draft pick, like whatever it is, that has to be a part of it because that can't continue to be the reason why you're losing. That's been the reason why 49ers lost the first year. That's the reason why the 49ers lost the second year. Don't. That's the reason why 49ers lost this year. Don't, don't make that be the reason again next year. Right. Right. All right. So let's go through this game. Let's start with the offense. And and and, and I'm going to try. We've already we've already let you know how amazing Nick Mullins was. 
Um, and obviously we can't keep everything positive, but but let's take a look at some of the positives. And I'm going to lead up, lead off with one that is very important to um, Eric Crocker and the Crocker family. Um, it's about it's about bringing in income to you know to put food on the table. It's his was it a one hundred dollar bet on Kendrick Bourne's receptions? <laughs> yeah, man, he needs to hit forty five. Yeah, and he needs to hit forty five. And I he I believe he was at thirty nine. Before the start of this game was, is that right? Yeah. And he was at 39 before the start of this game. He ended up with four catches, which is, is what we determined many weeks ago that he needed to average in order for him to accomplish the bet. And now that should put him at 43 catches. So over the next two games of the, of the season, the 49ers face the Cardinals and the Seahawks, two teams that are liable to make it to where the 49ers have to throw a lot. We need a grand total of two catches for Kendrick Bourne in those games to put $100 on the table for Eric Crocker and the Crocker family during these holiday during the holiday season. <laughs> yeah, man, I mean, I guess yeah. the holidays are going to be long gone by then, but still, holiday season. Yeah. I mean, shoot, they won't be long gone if he does it next Sunday. <laughs> It'll still be holiday season, um, and I'll go uh, tr- treat my mom, my wife to a nice dinner for uh, New Year, New Year's Eve. <laughs> right, and so that yeah, that's what it. That's 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 how you you make smart use of that money right there. So you just can make we it, talk about make... for a second, uh, bro? This is the Striking Gold podcast hosted by Rob Lauder and Eric Crocker. We can talk about whatever we want to. Yeah, and nothing nothing too crazy, but you know, obviously Kendrick Bourne has been a solid third option. For the 49ers, um, ideally, you probably want him to be like your fourth option. I think he's had to be more of like a second option. But uh, a lot of people are really down on him. And, you know, he had a bad game last last week. And I said it was, you know, that's pretty much all it was to me. Bad game. And you see him come back, you know, this week and <clears throat> not have a whole lot of opportunities. I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, you might have the stats pulled up. If he only had four targets, are you able to see that? Yes, Kendrick Bourne had four catches on four targets, including one of them that was the sixty-yard bomb into a group of Dallas Cowboys and 49ers players, <laughs> which was amazing. But you know that, like, it's like, hey, you gotta make the best of every opportunity. And you know, obviously, he didn't have as many opportunities as last week, but four four targets, four catches. You know, and, you know, yeah, his numbers are inflated by a hail mary, but it's just good to see. It's good to see him be able to do something like that. You know, when a lot of people, you know, were really talking bad from him, talking bad about him. And uh, I I said it on the pod, like, man, it's just a bad game. And I I wouldn't expect to see him have another game like that. And sure enough, four targets, four catches, made some nice catches. Obviously the, the, the jump ball in the end zone, that was a tremendous catch where he, I mean, for somebody that's not like the most freakish athlete, like he out jumped everybody. Like he was, (laughs) it was one of the cleanest, it was one of the cleanest, and more like dominant Hail Mary catches I've seen. It was right up there with like like uh DeAndre Hopkins. Like he just yeah. straight up out jumped everybody and and it wasn't a close like he straight into his mitts. Ball never moved. Boom, this is mine. Thanks. Yeah, you know, it was, it was a big time catch. So um no, I was just it was just really happy to see because 49ers, and even when I posted about it, like um like man, nice catches, like, oh well, he just drops the easy ones and catches the hard ones. And it's like, dude, that's not that's not really it. Like somebody's always gonna it. say he just, shit. So. He, he just had a bad game. He had a bad game where he dropped a good amount of passes, but that wasn't that's not that hasn't been the case for the entire season. 
You know, it it was just a, it was a bad game, and obviously you don't want to see that. And but they go back to last year and they make it seem like dude just dropped like every pass. But like dude, he dropped three passes last year, two in which were in one game. So I mean, see, there were what fourteen other games where you know he didn't have a drop in fourteen games last year, like no drop. So you know, it's it's just kind of ridiculous the narrative that. Fans like you know run with a lot, you know, just like what we're seeing about guys jumping on McGlinchey. And I, I'm not saying McGlinchey is great, but I was watching the game, and if you look at a timeline, you'd see like, like just a ton of mi- mixed reactions, like right on top of each other. I'd see one tweet that was like, "Man, great block, McGlinchey." Then the next tweet right under it would be like, "Man, McGlinchey sucks." Like, you know, and it, you know sometimes guys focus in on like one or two reps out of 70. And I I was watching the games and yeah, I, I saw McGlinchey get beat uh, one time and actually like flushed the quarterback to the left and it ended up not being a, uh, oh, Kyler Murray fumbled. They got it back though. It ended up not being, <laughs> a, it ended up not being a, a, a sack, but I was just like, damn, like McGlinchey did get beat on that play. But the, the sack strip, like that wasn't on McGlin- like your quarterback. You got to step up in the pocket, dude. Like you can't let a, a, a defensive end rush upfield, right? And like they aim for a spot. The defensive end is rushing upfield, and what they call kind of like run the hoop. And usually, what would happen is the quarterback slide up a little bit, and that defensive end will never get the quarterback. Mullen stands there, the ball gets hit out of his hands, and everybody's like, yeah, McGlinchey sucks. And it's like, no, nah, like, I bet McGlinchey is looking at it like, damn, dude, like, freaking step up in the pocket. Now, he's not going to say that. He's probably a great dude and seems nice. But he's like, dude, just step up in the pocket, you know? But I will I will give him props on this. I I have said that I feel like McGlinchey needs to finish blocks better. Um, he, he finished a couple blocks where he drove dudes to the ground, and I was like, man, that was really good to see. I'm not some McGlinchey apologist. I just don't like when people push bad narratives. That's kind of my thing. Don't push bad narratives, man. Like, well, it's like it's it's the same shit we've always seen. Like people that just get attached to some line of thinking, they will literally let's say you know, and obviously an offensive lineman gets paid to be good for like ninety eight percent of the game. Like I get that, but they will people will literally gloss over. 10 to 15 straight good, let's say Mike McGlinchey plays, just waiting for that one bad one so that they can say, look, I told you, look, he's so bad. And then, but like, like a whole like 20 plays just went by where nothing happened. You didn't have anything to tweet about. You didn't have anything to take video of, but then the one, it's just, it's such a weird way to go about your NFL fandom. Like why, why you're just sitting there staring at somebody, hoping they, they mess up and win they do, your life is like validated. It's just weird. It, it's just like, it, it, I just, the, the, you know, the need to like, you know, I don't know. Y'all know what I'm saying. Y'all know what I'm saying. So another good, uh, another decent player from Sunday's loss was Brandon Ayuk, of course, was targeted 13 times, caught nine of them. Um, only managed to 73 yards, which wasn't enough to overtake Kendrick Bourne's Hail Mary production. But I mean, some of those, 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 he did get a touchdown and some of those yards were hard yards, man. They were like, there was that one four yard game that Ayuk had where he made like five guys miss 
in the span of like four yards and then had a dude like with his glove gripped to the front of his helmet, pulling his face up and he still managed to like get at or near the first down. It was intense, man. Brandon Ayuk is a baller and uh, I'm really looking forward to watching that guy grow. But I mean, if they could just get again, he's balling out ish with Nick Mullins. Imagine if they, they get them, get him some sort of quarterback that just can like do the damn thing on a consistent basis. And not just Nick Mullins. Um, you know, he's balling out with no, like, partner, right? There's no Debo Samuel out there or the George Kittle or anything like that. It's kind of just him and, you know, some other guys, right? You know, Kendrick right. Bourne and, um, you know, River Craycraft, you know, like, there's no, like, real, you know, anybody opposite him to kind of take any type of pressure. So, you know, like, there's nobody to pull coverage for him. Uh, so that that makes it even, you know, more impressive. There were times where, it was tight coverage, and, and he still made some really tough catches um, with bodies around him and kind of bounced off of a tackle and you know, picked up a few extra yards. Um, I bet, like, kind of like what we saw from Debo, who was, like, top, in, top of the league in, like, forced missed tackles. I bet Ayuk, you know, has a decent amount his, himself this year. You know, it's just – shoot, man. Dude, dude, dude's playing very well. Playing very well with with not much around him right now. It's it's really cool to see. Right, and you know one thing I almost tweeted about I I during the game, but I didn't have time to was he seems pretty fearless over the middle. You know, he doesn't seem like he cares about his own well being as much as a lot of players do. And a receiver being kind of fearless over the middle is not an it's not a common quality. It's it's not universal to all receivers, um, and you can you can see examples of of that on a constant basis. But you know that was something that like you know obviously Michael Irvin's a lot bigger than Brandon Ayuk, but that was something Michael Irvin used to get a lot of praise for back in the day. Is just you know being kind of fearless over the middle and 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 you know taking a a slant right towards the linebackers to the house or you know whatever. And, and I remember somebody asked him. One time, I can't remember where I saw this quote. I think it was when Michael Irvin, you know that, have you seen that NFL show where, where like Michael Irvin will meet with like, like four or five draft receivers and, yeah. and they'll, and they'll just like work out with them for a while and, and they'll talk do they about still them. Do that? I remember saying like Patrick Mahomes, they had the, uh, right. they the pass rush guys, like it'll be a group of pass rushers and yeah, man, like they, I know that for sure they did it that year with Mahomes. Um, I remember, um, uh, Solomon Thomas and some other defensive linemen. And now nah, that was like kind of fun to watch on the NFL network. Yeah, it was good. And and I think, I think uh, that's what Michael Irvin was talking about. Some receivers it was like, look, you can't be afraid of contact. And they used to always ask me why I was, why I was, why I wasn't afraid to go over the middle. And he, his answer was awesome, dude. He's just like, he's like, well, the way I always saw football is look like I can, I can catch the slant over the middle or I can go back to the ghetto. And so to me, it was always easy to catch the slant over the middle because I didn't want to go back to where I came from. And, uh, you know, and obviously I I don't know Ayuk's background or where he came from and and what his upbringing was. I don't want to turn into like ESPN where they all all they do is highlight weird, bad shit about a personal (laughs) person's personal life. But, you know, Brandon, Ayuk kind of have some of those qualities where he just seems like he's down, you know, and he's he's made a lot of he did make a few catches this game over the middle, like Crocker said, with bodies nearby and guys that, you know, depending on how they read the play, could have just taken him out. So uh, I've been pretty impressed with him on so many different levels so far. So it's that's been a lot of fun. A couple of passing the calls on um, downfield. Yeah, game, he did. Which, yeah. you know, he doesn't 
get those you know yards in the stat sheet. But just things that I've kind of noticed. I noticed it in the last game where they threw it down the right sideline to him, um, and they called pass interference early in the game. And then obviously you know this game, kind of late in the game, uh, before Mullins threw his second interception, um, he had a good one where he was getting open on the out route and, and they called pass interference. So you know he's also those plays don't show up in the stat sheet, but just something I noticed. Yeah, and on the other side of the ball on defense, I mean, things – it wasn't bad. You know, I mean, the defense kind of just – the one thing the defense didn't do, and Kyle Shanahan made sure to kind of highlight this during the press conference, is they didn't get any, didn't get any turnovers. You know, the, the while the Dallas defense created four turnovers slash special teams – and sure, those are the faults of the 49ers players, but that's still a defense being in the right place creating turnovers. Or, you know, and, and you've got that one special teams play. Whereas the 49ers defense, they were kind of put in tough spots all game. Like I said, the 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 first two touchdowns for Dallas were both on less than 25 yards fields because Nick Mullins fumble and Richie James fumble. So the defense obviously wasn't put in a great position, but they didn't force any turnovers today, you know, and when you're when you're playing against a backup quarterback, and yeah, it's it's Andy Dalton who's who's very capable, but you know, they the and Dallas didn't have Ezekiel Elliott, so you're dealing with Tony Pollard. It just seems like in a situation like that, there could be some chances for takeaways for the 49ers defense, but they didn't create any. And they didn't do a whole lot in the way the only player that got a sack was Eric Armstead and he got two of them. And then everything else was just kind of, eh, you know, like the 49ers defense got stout a few times. They forced a couple three and outs. Akella Witherspoon had a pretty good game. Uh, would you agree with that assessment there, Croc? Yeah, no, nah, he played extremely well. Um, um, he was targeted a good amount and I only really off the top of my head, remember him giving up a slant for about 10 yards. And I'd say he was targeted maybe six, seven times. So right. yeah, that's a that's a really good uh really good game. I could yeah, be he came in. Uh Jason Verrett was was said that uh the 49ers announced that he was ill. They haven't released any more details than that, but he was a surprise inactive to start the game. And um Emmanuel Mosley did play quite a bit, um, but it was it was Akella Witherspoon who replaced Jason Brett, not Emmanuel Mosley. So and He's I know the 49 49- injury himself. So. Right. So, so Keller Witherspoon got some action and he looked pretty good. Um, I, I mean, I won't go too much into the specifics of the players. We'll probably get into that a little bit more uh, tomorrow, but I mean, overall it wasn't a bad game for the defense. They, they had plenty of stops and made plenty of plays um, to kind of keep the 49ers in the game. But at the same time with the Dallas defense forcing so many turnovers and taking advantage of them, it would have been nice to see the 49ers do the same. But that's just kind of, you know, having a couple of elite pass rushers would help with that, and the 49ers don't have either of them. So I'm trying. I'm just kind of cruising through the uh, – I know you brought – you know, you briefly mentioned a couple of his sacks, but um, there were some plays where he was in the backfield and – He led uh, the team in tackles. Oh, did he? Yes. He, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, he, he was definitely, you know, flashing. And, you know, the Cowboys, their offensive line isn't – it's not good. You know, they have one guy like we talked about with Connor Williams, who, you know, he's coming off of a torn ACL himself, and he's the only guy that started the whole season on, on the line, and he's playing left guard. He actually was a, originally a tackle, and they've moved him to guard, but 
that's it. Aside from that, it's kind of been a lot of turnover around. 49ers, you know, yeah, they didn't have a whole lot of sacks, but I, I thought they did a good job of kind of, you know, bringing different um, pressures and blitzes and making uh, Andy Dalton uncomfortable for the most part. So, you know, and uh, Armstead was a, a nice little part of that. He got a sack on a nice little stunt. Uh, there, there were some good things to see by defense. Defense played well, and they've been playing well all year. And it's crazy because you look at the final scoring, and it's like, oh, 41 points. But defense is probably looking at that like, dude, we balled. <laughs> we did our thing. It just doesn't – it won't look that way on paper. Right. Yeah, it was it was tough. And I know there were some comments said after the game. Um, Trent Williams said offensively – I mean, this isn't like indictment stuff, but Trent Williams, offensively, it's extremely tough to win with a 4-0 turnover ratio. That's where it started and that's where it stops. Obviously true, just facts. Um, Fred Warner said it sucks to lose. I hate losing. We have to change something. You can't keep doing the same thing over and over and expecting something different. So, I mean – and that right there seems like a pretty direct shot at, at, at the 49ers quarterback situation. But there's no right answer there. Jimmy Garoppolo is still hurt. He probably won't play again this season. You could put in C.J. Beathard, but he might be good for different reasons and bad for different reasons. You know, so it's it, it's just there's not a whole lot the 49ers can do right now to pull themselves out of the slump. And it sucks because you have a lot of great players that are still on that team that are healthy, that are playing their ass off that probably deserve more than what the team is getting right now. But that's just the way it is. And that's why I was so adamant earlier, like whatever decision the 49ers make this year, it don't let it be lukewarm. Do whatever you got to do to put this team in a, in a position to win because and and I would be willing to bet the team's not sold in what they can get from Jimmy Garoppolo. We kind of saw that many times throughout the the course of the end of last season, the beginning of this season. I would be willing to bet that the team's not completely convinced that Jimmy Garoppolo is the answer. So if he's not the answer, then do whatever you got to do to find whatever you feel is your answer. You know, don't just sit there and let another season go down the drain while you have this much talent because you were unwilling to give up that extra first-round pick to get, I don't know, Zach Wilson or whoever is your guy or you know that extra first-round pick to get Matt Stafford or whatever it is. Like That would be the definition of, of kind of letting this team down right there. It's kind of like just being unwilling to take that next step to do what you got to do to put this team back in a position to win. Now, obviously, there's a whole other discussion to be had about not jeopardizing the future and you know making sure that you're not you're not selling out now for short-term success and then it comes back to bite you. I get all that, but it just seems like the 49ers have got to do something to make sure that a season that has gone to the waste like this isn't just for naught and it just, you know, I don't know. I don't want to rant again. Croc, you got any other other, any other thoughts to uh, – to send us off with our with our reactions. Nah, man. Um, I'm still, you know, watching, you know, got teams and see who wins, who loses. See if 49ers slide up a little bit in the draft. I mean, but um, right now they're 11th. They're 11th in the draft order. Right. Yeah. And and that was before the game or after. That was after the game. That was after the game. So they already have the 49ers at five and nine. Um, De- ahead of them, Detroit five and nine. Dallas just moved to five and nine. You know, uh, Philadelphia is, looks like they might be making a game of it, but it looks like they're going to lose. Pretty much everybody in front of the 49ers uh, lost, so that that should be where they stay for now. Okay, 
all that's tough. So even then, at least you don't put yourself in a worse position, right? By by winning. And I know people probably don't want to hear about me talking about the 49ers winning, like you know, wanting them to lose. But you know, at the end of the day, when the season's over, all you're gonna look back on is hey, where are we drafting at? <laughs> you know, and you'll look back on certain games and be like, uh. Well, and with the way, I mean, this is completely random, and I, and I don't think anybody would necessarily be interested, but with the way Jalen Hurts is playing right now, I, I'm not sure Carson Wentz is going to be on that team next year. Well, not just that, but, I mean, again, with the with the way, wow. <laughs> the Chiefs are so lucky, dude. Patrick Mahomes is running through the middle. Oh, let me see if I can try to record this real quick. Patrick Mahomes is, like, running through the middle of the the play. The ball gets, like, knocked out of his hand. It goes up, and one of his linemen catch it, and like runs for a first down. It's just some just crazy lucky stuff. But what what was I saying before I got distracted by that? Something about draft picks, and I I mean I mentioned Carson Wentz. Uh, you know because Jalen Hurts. Oh, so with with Jalen Hurts, the the one thing that kind of stands out to me is the fact that you know right now the Hurts have twenty first half points. I mean, the Eagles. The Eagles have 21 first half points with Jalen Hurts at quarterback. So, you know, it, it just kind of proves that, like, you can, you 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 can be good with a rookie quarterback. Not good. I mean, their, their defense sucks. Like, their defense is giving up 26 points, but the offense. I mean, 22 first half points. That's pretty good, right? Right. Yeah, it is. I mean, and and like and that just leads me to what we were just saying. Like, if you're if you don't feel like Jim Garoppolo is the one that's going to give you get you that long term, then then go find your answer. Right. And, go and find the your guys that are capable of just coming in year one and playing. Like there there are guys that are, you know so yeah you know hurts yeah he's you know he's better than Nick Mullins and that's a second round pick and he's doing well since coming in into the game so yeah All right. Well, I mean, it's the, the 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 good thing, I guess, is we'll have all offseason to talk about that because the 49ers have two more games this less this year, one against the Cardinals, one against the Seahawks, and and you know, by all intents and purposes, much better teams than the 49ers. But you never know what those division games, so we'll see. But um, yeah, as of right now, it's it's definitely the conversation of where they go from here at quarterback and and, and many other spots is going to be what what dominates our offseason, but. Hey, that's it for uh, for another episode. Appreciate you guys. Thank you for uh, thank you for listening. Thank you for supporting us. Uh, I hope that you had a, a a decent year, all things considered. As we're rolling up to a, another New Year's, hopefully you're safe. Everybody's good for the holidays. Um, I think we'll yeah we'll be back on here for at least one more episode before Christmas. Um, so we'll hear from you. But hey, I appreciate you guys. Thanks for listening for another evening, for another night, for another day, for another morning. Whenever you're listening to this. This is Striking Gold, signing out. Justice for Kendrick Bourne. Peace!
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.